0: Hey there, listeners. If you're hearing this, then you are about to embark on a journey into paralyzing terror. And a few laughs, too. We at the AOE want to thank you for your love and support and let you know how to get in contact with us. We are on Facebook. Just search The Age of Enfrightenment. On Twitter, at AOE underscore podcast. You can find us on our website, AOEPod.com. And best of all, look up The Age of Enfrightenment on iTunes and subscribe. We'll be in your feed every two weeks with all things eerie, esoteric, and extraordinary. Enjoy the show.
1: Everybody, shut the fuck up! We're talking about vampires. This is Agent Frightment. I'm Theo. I'm here with Nick, Dave. We don't got time for bullshit. We're talking about vampires. Nick, go. Oh,
0: my God. Nick, go. I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm being ear molested hey, right now. You you're so hostile.
2: Do you remember going to the community pool when you were kids? Hey, and,
1: hey. Uh, just fucking- I have a strange suspicion this story isn't going to lead to vampires. Shut up. You don't have no, a lot of time. I mean, not,
2: not everything has to be about vampires. I have vampires.
1: stuff to do. So
0: if you're thinking that this opening is terrible... Not. you're right Great so let's talk
1: about vampires I'm, I'm just i'm just trying to get down to business man time is money I,
0: I agree and i will say uh after over a year now of doing this podcast we might have people who are wondering why we haven't talked about the spooky draculas yet and i think it's partly because we knew it was going to be a really big subject and based on the amount of research that we have it is so I think just to kind of open up things in a bit of a fun way before we get into lots and lots of really crazy things from all over the world. For each of you guys, Dave, we'll start with you. What was the first time in your life that you felt like vampires sunk in as far as like what they were, why they're scary or not scary, and what they, and why you, how you like interpreted them as a monster?
2: All right, so I was at the community pool <laughs>
0: Oh my god, it it was connected to the story. <laughs> what
2: a tweet. No, it's it's not connected at all to the story. Uh, <laughs> I just think we should do an episode about community pools. It's scary. Yeah, a lot of band-aids and pee. <laughs> um No, my uh you know, I was exposed to the idea of Dracula from Sesame Street, but uh <laughs> vampires didn't play a significant role in my life. Um fuck is embarrassing until blade (laughs) one
1: yeah there's nothing embarrassing about blade
0: i really wish that they had called especially because that was before comic book franchises were a thing i wish they had just called it blade one
1: like when it (laughs) came out just
0: just be real upfront about like look we're just gonna milk this as long as people will pay for it yeah
2: like and that yeah you know the vampires in that are uh like, kind of suave, and they go to raves and have essentially blood orgies. Uh, it is
0: the most 90s interpretation. There was also another uh, movie that Wes Craven did that was awful. That was like, it was like Dracula 2000 or something. I oh think. my God, yeah. It was so bad, but it's also just dripping in that like overly sexy, leather clad take that I feel like we get way too much with, mm-hmm. with vampires yeah. now. But I think Blade really. Tapped into that, they were like steven dorf is like four feet tall, but isn't he hot when he's got blood,
1: yeah? He's but it was vampire. cool when Blade did it though, and you know after that, like it just became cliche. But cliches got to start somewhere, and Blade was cool as shit. And there is a line from Blade that I use <laughs> at every possible junction. You guys know exactly what I'm gonna say. Yeah, right? I know what you're <laughs> sure, gonna know. I'm sure. My girlfriend knows exactly what I'm gonna say if she was listening. But some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate up a hill. No, no, no. the reason that I'm obsessed with that line is that wasn't written for the movie. That's something that Wesley Snipes just said one day. And the director heard it and said, we have to put that in the movie because that's not a thing that a person just says. The director was like, I
0: might never get a chance to work with Wesley Snipes again. This does not fit in a Marvel vampire movie, but it needs to be in there. Yeah. And I like, I love that line to death,
2: but like, I, I always couldn't help but see the flaws in it. Well, why would there? Be, <laughs> why would you be ice skating uphill? Why would water well, freeze in such a way that it had an upward slope? It's a, me- it's a metaphor, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's as cool as it sounds coming out of Wesley Snipes' mouth. It's it's a metaphor with a lot of holes in it.
0: fun fact in the middle ages, they would to test kind of like witch hunts, to test if people were vampires or not, they would make them skate up a hill and if they couldn't do it, they were staked as vampires. It I, had a 100% success see, rate. see, I if don't you can believe think that. that's
1: true, but I don't have the proper facts to to support that, so
2: it could be. Like, <laughs> that's the name of this podcast. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, awesome so we've got yeah. Blade that's a good start What about What about you Theo What's, so, what was your first uh, vampire memory that you can think of So my my first real memory well not first memory of like vampires being a thing But like when I took interest is actually it's a Marvel thing too um, The old Spider-Man cartoon that was on when we were kids Really mm. doesn't stand this test of time it's really goofy and a lot of the reasons for that is because Fox had these like ridiculous rules for them. Like, you nobody on the show was ever allowed to be shown punching somebody. So there's a lot of like shoving and kicking, but no actual punching. Uh, they couldn't have real guns, so they had these really ridiculous lasers all the time. Even like regular street criminals and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but there's one case where like the weird, goofy rules. Worse for them so there's this one character that um in spider-man it's like kind of like a b-list spider-man bad guy morbius the living vampire and they had him on the show and on the show they do his whole origin where he's just this this college student named michael morbius and you know that's, that's dude
0: was just destined to become a vampire yeah
1: <laughs> i mean that you know marvel is really bad with like their alliterative names for villains you know like Victor Von Doom. and Peter Parker versus Michael Morbius. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like when you're named Michael Morbius, like, you have no... Of course you're going to become a vampire. But, like, (laughs) he's this, like, really goofy European dude from, like, a made-up country. And he wears, like, a black trench coat all the time. And it's this whole thing where he's able to get, like, a sample of Spider-Man's blood. And he's trying to, like, cure this disease that's destroying his country that's being carried by bats. And, like, he infects the... Like, he's able to, like give the bat Spider-Man's blood, and he's bit by the bat. So it's sort of like how Spider-Man gets his powers from a radioactive spider. Morbius gets his powers from a radioactive bat, and he becomes a vampire. And he, his skin turns blue, and his hair turns white. And in the comics, he just sucks blood normally. But in the show, they weren't allowed to show him sucking blood. So what they did is they gave him these like little suckers on his hands. And he would. I do not remember this. That's yeah, so funny. <laughs> but it was like really kind of fucked up and gross. And it's right. like I. I it's always, like he has lamprey hands or something. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And so like it would show like his victims would have all these like weird like puncture holes all over their face. And like that just made it so much more disturbing. And like I I've never really been into like the sexy vampires. I've always liked creepy, you know, less than human vampires, like Nosferatu vampires. And I think that's a lot of that's because of Morbius from the Spider-Man cartoon
0: right awesome so it's interesting that you that you talked about like not being into the sexy vampires because that was precisely why growing up when I was really young I didn't really care that much about vampires because it seemed like romance novel fare because in my house my mom was a huge Anne Rice fan who wrote (laughs) Interview with Vampire and Queen of the Damned and you know, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt with long hair looking very powdered and pretty and
1: I guess 19th century. I read like one or two of those books when I was in high school and I was just blown away by how gay they are. And there's nothing <laughs> right, wrong which, with that. But, like, which is I fine. I go from seeing like, you know, what is it? Queen of the Damned, which I thought was really cool and reading one of those books. I'm like, wow, this is really gay. <laughs> Queen of the Damned,
0: I will say. Pretty terrible movie if I remember correctly, but... Aaliyah looked smoking oh, hot God, as yes. Queen of the Damned. Yeah, But we'll get into ancient vampires too. So this all kind of ties together. But yeah, for me, I think I, I and I actually thought they were interesting as characters. And I remember watching the movie when I was young because it would be on, i like, I don't know, TNT or something in our house. And it was interesting, but I didn't find them as fascinating when I was very young as like Freddy Krueger and, and Jason Voorhees and some of like the monsters that I felt were a little more... Like edgy, I guess. The irony is now I'm way more into vampires as probably my favorite kind of mythological being, because I think as I got older, I was exposed to more different types of of them being portrayed. And I remember the first time I saw uh, the original 1920 Nosferatu, it blew me away at just how unbelievably unsettling Max Shrek is as this creature, not like a person, which we have seen so much of in the last hundred years, but very much like a dark creature of the night, which felt way more in line with a lot of the research that I did for this, of vampires being much less human than we like to portray them in you know, the years of Twilight. So I think we'll get into all of that. But yeah, for me, I feel like I've done this flip-flop where as, I, as I've learned more about vampires by the time I was in like high school, I appreciated them enough to like really love the mythos behind them and also the fact and see why they pop up in basically every single culture, which I think we can kind of start out with talking a little bit about vampires, you know, as far back as literally thousands of years ago.
1: Oh yeah, like the first stories of vampires or like at least something equivalent to vampires popped up in ancient Mesopotamia. There's something like, dragons where every single culture has had some kind of version of it
0: yeah and i mean so tying back to an older episode when we talked about witchcraft this is i think you'll notice in our podcast and this happens a lot with a lot of different spooky uh folk tale things and mythological things things really start to bleed together so in the same vein as lilith was seen as sort of like the originator of witchcraft. She's also often seen because of her title as like the mother of demons, as in a lot of ways, the first vampire, if you follow the sort of Judeo-Christian tradition of it. So she gets a lot of, and she features a lot in pop culture even now as being sort of vampiric character. And I think that goes a lot in the ancient times, at least, and this did switch eventually to men, but in ancient times, for my research, women always seemed to feature as this vampiric character. So, like, in Greece, there was Hecate and her children were vampires. And specifically, she would seduce human men and, and drain their blood. Um, Lamia was a, was another one. She was like a, a fabled Libyan queen who who fed on the blood of children specifically and kind of served as like a don't trust the you know, the crazy single woman down the street sort of myth as like, you know, she's like Lamia. But like even, and this is interesting too, and this shows up, if you take the case of Hecate, she was a goddess and actually had temples. And some of the temples that have been found from her have archaeologists have said show signs of blood sacrifice and even blood consumption by the worshipers. So I think for a lot of history, vampires were less monsters and more deities that you would emulate and i found some of that too with like kali cults in india so there was definitely a shift at some point that we can get into as we move through time from sort of a deity you know ethereal feel to like a very real life threat male like sort of asserting its dominance and stuff kind of take that that made a switch at some point so another one it while we're on ancient that i thought was kind of interesting and and you guys probably saw some of this in your research too was in persia there was also another character called estries or estrias and she was one of the kind of earliest examples i found of a vampire that was a shapeshifter so she would seduce and drink men's blood but she would shapeshift she was actually like a creature but would shapeshift into a beautiful woman or could become an animal and that's something that i feel like in modern day we don't modern day versions don't Focus on that as much. I think the last really good version we had of a shape shifting vampire was Dracula, and I don't know why that went away. If it's just the I, humanization he, of them, yeah, or...
2: I think maybe they found it to somehow be like too goofy or too over the top, maybe. Wh- which, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Like you, you already have a mystical immortal <laughs> being, right. and it's like, oh, it's weird if they can turn into a wolf.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's. Is- I think there's kind of two reasons for that. Um, one is that, like, the way that vampires pop up in modern pop culture is very stripped-down versions of them. And a lot of times, it's almost, like, scientific vampires. Like, it's like a disease rather than right. some kind of, like, you, rather than being, them being, like, undead. Like, in Blade, they're never treated as, like, magical. And in True Blood, they, they were... But it was a still a very stripped-down version of it. Um, also, that leads into my second reason, is that a lot of times we see vampires now is just, like, on the CW, and they don't have the budget for people turning into werewolves <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah, I was thinking
2: that, too.
0: The That's CGI really would be
1: way too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think there's something,
0: too, about... We've... This is a good thing. So social progress has allowed us to, like, things that used to be taboo, like, literally just, like, different races having sex with each other isn't as intensely like frightening to people. Thank God. But I feel like it's been, that's been replaced like stories that used to happen of like people hooking up across different races or the same gender have been replaced with like, well, we still need a taboo. So now it's like preteen, like dirty YA books are about like a girl (laughs) falling in love with a vampire or a werewolf because it's still something we can be like. Oh, that's dangerous! Don't do that. Like, so I feel like we're tapping into that. I think it's where the sexual vampire yeah, comes from. Yeah, but think about
2: how more sexy that would be if the vampire turned into a wolf, and then they had sex. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, there's a whole untapped bestiality level.
0: Well, that- talk about like impressions that were made when we were younger. I remember the first time I saw um a Francis woman Ford has Cop- sex with the wolf. <laughs>
1: well I saw well yeah I mean a if boy you seen- never forgets the first time he sees his mom have sex with a wolf. <laughs> if you've seen uh Bram Stoker's Dracula
0: by Francis Ford Coppola with uh Gary Oldman oh, yeah, he's like that. He's like in werewolf form, basically, when he's banging the yeah, shit out of, out of the blonde girl in the graveyard. Yeah. And Winona Ryder's like, what? But then she's still super into it later.
1: <laughs> it's a weird so, fucking movie. It is, it is a... I know that it's got its flaws, but it's a beautifully made nah, movie. Nah, I, I dig it. You know, yeah. just, despite Keanu Reeves giving is just doing his damnedest at an English accent. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's not... I don't want to say it's a bad movie, but it's fucking weird.
0: My dearest um,
1: Mina... Whoa, Dracula's, whoa. <laughs> uh, but, but going back to the like the idea of um, vampires as shape-shifters, so one thing I want to bring up is something I came across in my research was the Aluka, which is an ancient Hebrew vampire. Mm. And, you know, one of the all-time favorite guests we have on the show is the Bible. And <laughs> um, Ladies and gentlemen, in, the Bible. Yeah, and... I, I haven't exactly looked at to the Bible as a source of inspiration in a very long time, but I do find that I look to it as a source of monsters, which is cool. Mm. Uh, but the, the Aluka is mentioned specifically by Solomon in Proverbs and Solomon was an ancient Hebrew King and his, all the legends around him are about how he was a wizard and was able to control demons and things like that. And is very tied to a wizard mysticism. Solomon, sorry, <laughs> you're a wizard Solomon, <laughs> 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 um so you know the dude knows his shit, but um the Aluka is it the word is literally translated as horse leech. Um but it's used to oh. describe like what we would think Yeah, horse leech. Right. But it's what they would what it described is like, oh yeah, that's that's a vampire. Um but it was a human who could shapeshift into a wolf and specifically would drink human blood, and if it went too long without drinking human blood it would die. Uh, but what's interesting about it is that it's tied into the legend of Lilith. And Lilith is often, in the old um, text, um, described as being associated with the Aluka. Uh So she, she pops up in a lot of stuff. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense because vampires... I, I think the reason that they have remained a fixture of culture for so long... And even in modern times, as a fixture of pop culture, is that, and and it's also the reason that sex is so tied into them. Is that the the very idea of the creature is rebellious? You know, it's something that's supposed to be dead, but it refuses to stay dead. It's you know, it's rebelling, and rebelling is sexy. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know.
0: You're right. It kind of is that simple. And it's funny that you brought up the rebellion thing, because one of the examples that I found from different cultures was the Draugr, which are mm, sort of like no. the Norse answer to the vampire. You've got to fight those guys in Skyrim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, Oh, so our listeners will know exactly what that is. <laughs> um, but one thing that's interesting about them is as opposed to being a disease that you contract... A draugr is basically what happens when a warrior falls and is like taken by the Valkyries, and basically just says, "Nope, I'm not done. I want to." It's it's a very Viking mentality of like, mm. "I'm literally not done killing people, so I'm going to reconnect my boater, which is like my soul with my body, and get back to killing." And they would still decompose, but they would. It was like their version of, "I'm so pissed off that I refuse to die." And I think that does kind of feature because at the end of the day, vampires, the whole idea of living to uh, forever is just forestalling the judgment that we all fear to face. So I think that's something about it, too, is if you could be young forever and never, ever have to know death, what does that turn you into morally? And I think it goes hand in hand with like drinking blood and the fact that like, well, you don't you no longer have any rules to abide by, at least in older cultures, because the thing that that would make you moral would be the judgment that was coming. And the idea of it not coming is kind of like, it, oh, maybe I would just kill people and yeah, drink their blood. Yeah, and
2: I wonder the longevity, like the idea of being alive forever. I feel like eventually mm-hmm. you're going to wind up evil.
0: Right. Uh, like, I mean, think about how you evil, start out least as a kid. Insane. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, yeah,
0: right. Like yeah. You, just knowing too much and seeing too much. Like I feel the one thing that, one thing out of many uh when i had to see the first twilight film with an ex-girlfriend the one thing that bothered me more than anything else in the film is that this dude granted he's 17 or whatever forever but he's actually like 200 years old and he's still choosing to date a 17 year old girl that would be mind-numbing she would be the stupidest person that you'd be like oh my god i know so much (laughs) and i'm such an old soul like I feel like I can't stand being around teenagers now. <laughs> at thirty, I couldn't imagine if I had lived already through like multiple world wars and like plagues and all this shit that just ages you. Like I, I feel like it would be exhausting to be a vampire and carry all that shit with you.
2: All right, so I'm I'm gonna talk about. Uh, I just thought of it during so just just now. So it might come out stupid, but I'm gonna talk about Nietzsche here for a second, mm. who. Thought that there were two forms that basically being a good person when he would look at the elite was like they did whatever they wanted to make themselves happy, whether it was lying and deceit and adultery and, you know, essentially just fucking anything you want.
0: Being a dick. Yeah.
2: And it was like that was being a good person. Those were the people held in high society. And it was the people below them who created all of these what he called weaknesses, which were like morality and mm-hmm. right and wrong, mm-hmm. and all these rules and constrictions that basically would put caps on your life, could the idea be that vampires, aside from the drinking, don't actually start out bad, but given enough time, kind of begin to follow that more basic, because c- like, here's the deal, you're gonna outlive everybody, forever. right? Uh, eventually your morality is just going to fall away because you essentially become a god.
0: And even if you feel bad about something in the moment, give it 300 years. You're not even going to remember the thing that you did. So you know, it's, it's, And I think there's something to that too because somewhere around the time that vampirism moved from Eastern Europe to Western Europe, there was a switch in class of the vampire. So when it started in Serbia as a legend, And other parts of the Balkans. It was very it was a big part of their culture, and they still believe in it pretty strongly today in places like Romania and Croatia. Um, But for them, it was usually people in like the lower class. And it kind of made sense when you think about it, because it would be generally the people accused of being vampires were very unliked in life. Usually very poor, alone, maybe they were convicted criminals because it made it easy when plague would break out and people would start dying. They'd say, Well, this guy died eight days ago and he was a piece of shit. So he must be coming back to life and killing these people. So it was usually lower class. By the time the mythos moved to Europe, it was, or to Western Europe, it was less about like warning of real danger and more about just the fascination and like a fetishizing of Eastern European culture. So the British and the French kind of created the aristocratic vampire, which I think is what you're talking about, Dave. That idea of like in the same way that the aristocracy can kind of do whatever they want, the vampire is the perfect way of getting that across. Cause even if you were a poor person that became a vampire, you give somebody 500 years, they're going to become wealthy. Because they can just save up money or steal it and kill people and get away with it. So it I think they just realized this natural bond between ass, rich assholes and vampires that seemed, that really I think we're stuck with today. I think we still see vampires as Count Dracula, as like yeah. rich patrons of the arts and things
1: like that. Right, well, because Dracula has sort of become the personification of vampires he's sort of the michael jordan of vampires if you you will
2: (laughs) that's why you can't help but see his logo everywhere where he's about to dunk
1: he is the goat
2: (laughs) um speaking of eastern european vampires and dracula uh ed why don't you give us some some history on the actual
1: dracula The shizzle all right so let's talk about wad the impaler um I, i i feel like in this day and age people know a lot about him Uh, So I'll I'll try and keep it brief, but if we're going to talk about vampires, he has to be brought up. Uh, If you don't know, uh, I mean, if you don't have access to the internet and BuzzFeed, um, Vlad the Impaler was the real-life inspiration for Dracula. Uh, His name was Vlad Tepes. He was born in 1428, and he was the ruler of a nation called Wallachia, which was uh, south of the Carpathian Mountains and... Um, in the area that would one day be known as Transylvania, and one day known after after that known as Romania, and um, his father, he and his father and his father before him were part of this religious order called the Order of the Dragon, and they were they were basically crusaders. They were noblemen charged with the duty of fighting off the the Muslim hordes. So, yeah, the the Ottoman Turks, as right. they were. Yeah, One Wallachia. of the biggest empires of the day, yeah. Exactly, and Wallachia was right next door to the Ottoman Empire, so they were right on the border. And um, so that's where the, 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 the Order of the Dragon is where Dracula comes from, because it was known as the Dracul. So he was Vlad Dracul, and his father before him was Vlad Dracul. So Vlad, um, what happened was he was... With his father on a diplomatic mission to the Ottoman Empire, and they were captured. And the conditions were that um, Vlad II, his father, could leave and return to Wallachia, but he would have to leave his sons behind. And he did because he was a piece of shit. Uh, so he goes back. <laughs> you can to- always have more sons. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes back to his homeland and he's overthrown by warlords. And so Vlad, because he was royalty, you know, everything for rich people is better. So when he was held prisoner, <laughs> it, this isn't it's so like true. <laughs> this isn't like if, you know, any of us were arrested and sent to jail. This is he he was still treated great. And like he learned and was treated well and lived like a prince because he was. And they just like, well, you suck, but you're still a prince. And. So we're going to teach you how to kill really, really effectively. (laughs) Yeah. And like he was trained in like Ottoman practices and, you know, their their military strategy. So when he was finally released, he went back home. He overthrew the man who overthrew his father and took up the mantle of Wallachia and used all the things that he learned and all this pent up aggression from his shitty dad and being in prison. Because, I mean, you know, he didn't realize His life in prison was probably better than, you know, the thousands of peasants in his kingdom would ever live. But, you know, he was rich. He was a dick. (laughs) But
0: what um, I do think is interesting. So he came back and instantly was like, nah, fuck those guys. I'm going to fight the Ottomans. His brother actually stayed with the Ottoman Empire, if I remember that correctly. Like his brother was like kind of taken by them and was like, all right, well, they raised me. I'm an Ottoman now. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Like, what was it about this guy being raised in the same circumstances that he still held on to that hatred? And was like, I know you're raising me, feeding me, teaching me to be a powerful warlord. But the second I get out of here, I'm turning around. I'm going to start killing you right back. Like, it's it just goes to show what kind of person he was, like the drive and determination. Yeah. That
1: had. Well, at the end of the day, I think he was just uh, a sociopath. <laughs> you know, that's that's long and short of it, because his the Wallachia there's a reason we don't talk about Wallachia anymore, but we still know what the Ottoman Empire is. It's because the Ottoman Empire was vast. Wallachia was not. They didn't have a huge yeah. army. So Vlad realized what they weren't going to be able to um, have in manpower, they were going to make up in just raw savagery. So he, the, his method of dealing with the Ottomans was impaling people, which would, he would literally go into battle, and he was he knew what he was doing. And when they would take prisoners, they would build these like 12-foot wooden poles, like phone telephone line poles that would be sharpened and it would go up the ass of an enemy soldier and come out of his mouth. I just want to correct you on there. It would go up yes.
0: <laughs> you just got to put the right inflection on it. You're
1: right. You're right. I, I, I feel silly. Thank you, Nick. Um, so he would do this and that, that is definitely true. Um, what's never really been substantiated is the idea that he would also eat the bodies of his no. enemies, that he would eat the flesh, and there's reports that he would sit, he would have, like, a table set up on the battlefield as all these men were writhing in agony on these these spikes that they were impaled on, and he would have bread, and he would, like, fill a cup of blood and dip his bread in the blood and eat it, and just be, like, happy and content and having a nice picnic.
2: I think that this goes back to something that c.s lewis talked about where like no story like somebody basically can't be evil enough like we always have to kind of add on to them like Like
0: it's is it not bad enough that he was shoving giant spikes up people's asses like he also had to eat we just make up this myth of him like eating them too yeah
2: (laughs) yeah because basically we just really wanted to get the point across that he was a bad guy (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i think Um, what's interesting too for bram's part bram stoker he was very into this this writer emily gerard who was like from the the romanian region and wrote about transylvania and it's one of those examples of like cherry picking ideas because he knew about vlad's name because he was an important historical figure that a lot of western europeans were fascinated by and in some of the accounts that i read it's like the name alone his ferocity was sort of like uh, a bonus, but the name alone was enough for Brandon to be like, oh, I'm naming my vampire that like Dracula son of the dragon. Like that's the coolest name ever. It's a pretty cool name. I like that. It is one of those examples where all of these very specific vampire myths from different parts of Transylvania, Romania, Serbia, were all just kind of muddled together and thrown on this guy. So it's like, just by virtue of being from the area, it was easy for an Irish guy, a writer, to be like, well, hey, they're all vampires. He's an evil Eastern European. He's a vampire, obviously. <laughs> and then that's where we get that whole view of that part of the world, I think, is from this like amalgamation of all these true stories.
1: hmm um, But, yeah, just to cap off uh, Vlad's story, he killed somewhere around, well, not him personally, but his military force, uh, somewhere around 80,000 people and it's estimated that 20,000 were killed specifically through impaling.
2: Yeah. Wow. Which is like I, a
1: whole football stadium full of people with good spikes up their ass. He yeah, copied that shit.
2: Because, you know, I. granted, I'm recalling a memory I saw on the History Channel. Uh, <laughs> of Basically, up to his castle was just basically a field of people who had been impaled.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. It's got a very uh, Lord Bolton... Um, Feel to it
1: with like the flayed man from Game of Thrones. Well, that was that was the point of it. Was that Lord Michael Bolton? He he realized that like if he was going to survive and if he was going to have any sort of you know impact on the Ottoman Empire, he had to be feared, and he had to he had to really like embrace his his just like worst nature, and so yeah, he lining like his front yard with like the writhing dying tortured people so the ottomans would roll by and be like nope not fucking with this guy yeah he's he's a very fascinating figure
0: because aside from i feel like we all know him as the inspiration for dracula but what is interesting is in like romanian history he's still seen as as like a great like forefather of the land because mm. at the end of the day he was a very effective defender of the region from in from invaders so he's almost got like think like an even older version of george washington i don't know if he's that revered but he is kind of seen as like an historical romanian war hero as opposed to just an an evil guy so it's kind of it's all it's all about like the spin you put on things i can
1: i cannot kind of understand because like we love george washington but like in the heat of battle he was known to like run up to british soldiers and just bite their dicks off
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true don't look it up it's uh just tell your friends (laughs) george washington well and he didn't even have to use his own teeth because of the wood Yeah. so it wasn't gay that way just, like, think about just a splintery wooden set of teeth just biting your dick right I now. I was
2: going to more draw the analogy that the South still calls it the War of Northern Aggression. Well, there's, yeah.
0: I guess we could also do
2: the George yeah. Washington.
0: People <laughs> believe what they want to believe
2: is what is Orally saying. Orally castrating people. <laughs> During so, pitch battle
1: Oh, Dick Chomper Washington, they called him <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the subject of
0: historical figures I wanted to quickly tell you guys a little bit about A guy who's sort of probably the best example of the first famous European vampire And it has an interesting, like, kind of like Vlad, political alignment to it too so there's this guy, uh, Pitar uh, Blago- Blagojevich, like the disgraced mayor of Chicago.
2: Oh, yeah, I love that um, guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he was a common peasant, kind of like I was saying before, not like some wealthy aristocrat. And he lived in a village uh, near Puzerivac, Serbia. And in 725, um, basically Austria, the like Austro-Hungarian Empire, just came into that whole region and just took them over. And that's why we eventually had Russia... As like its own country because of all, of all of the shifts that were happening politically. But in 1725, Austrian papers started reporting on the areas that they had conquered, specifically in Serbia, about attacks that had happened. And it, is, it really mirrors uh, the Mercy Brown story in, in, in the U.S., which I don't think we need to get into because... It's covered very in-depth on lore, and you should probably just go listen to that. (laughs) But there's a lot of similarities with this Peter guy, because basically he died, and within eight days after his death, nine more people died from, like, very fast-acting diseases. Like, think about, like, within 24 hours, you've wasted away to nothing, like, thrown up and shit all of your guts out, and your skin's pale, and and you're bleeding, and you just die. So this happens and everybody's like, well, Peter was a Dick is probably him. And they already had a very lasting um, history of, of vampirism in their mythology. So what the interesting part about it was this sort of is what made the switch and allowed us to now know about vampires by way of the Western Europeans, because the Austrian papers were writing about it, it was sensationalized to the point where Vienna, the capital sent, like a group of doctors to investigate. And what was interesting was they didn't come back and say, this is all bullshit. What they actually did was they reported that the tomb was open, that there was blood present on his mouth and that he showed no signs of decomposition. And in fact, looked very well fed. Um, And what they did was they stabbed him with a stake, And then the killings quote unquote ceased. Now, granted we know today is probably some kind of disease, but it, really went to prove the way these things happen and persist. <clears throat> because at the time even these doctors didn't know about the the process that a corpse goes through to decompose. So specifically the blood on his mouth. So that's called it's like a it's something like an exit fluid or some kind of gross term for
2: death after birth. Yes
0: Death after birth is such a oh, would be God. such a dumb term. <laughs> But basically, there's escaping fluids that just kind of go... And the body will also bloat. So in their mind, they were like, look, yeah. he's fat. He's yeah, been he's eating well people. Fed. He's well-fed. And he's you can see the blood in his veins. And it's actually just his body purging all of this shit. But they saw that, and then in and then if you tie that with a lot of the other things that doctors throughout the ages have said about vampires, oh, their fingernails are longer, their
1: hair fingernails is Fingernails and teeth, yeah, because as the teeth. body starts to... To shrink and contract on itself. The, the nails, they don't grow, but it looks like they're growing. Right. The same yeah. with, same the thing teeth. with your the hair. The teeth are pushed out from the gums.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it just looks like, well, number one, it's very menacing to look at, but it looks like stuff is still changing. And the other thing that's interesting that I didn't know is we know about rigor mortis, but I think we tend to think of it as you get stuck in the position you died in, but that's not how it happens. Your body actually twists and contorts well after you die as like your muscles set in and everything into one spot. So the other thing that people claimed is because people would be buried with their hands over their chest or in a very solemn, peaceful way, they'd open these coffins and see these sort of like twisted horrific shapes that they're in and think it's similar to a person tossing and turning in the night while they sleep. So basically up until not that long ago, like (laughs) late 19th century, like established doctors would see this and say, They must be vampires. And the interesting thing about staking is that we see it as like a way to kill a vampire. We've all seen episodes of Buffy. That's how they do it. That was actually just a misread culturally on our part because in the Serbian tradition, they would actually do that right after you died just because the rib cage is a great spot to pin you down. So they would literally just hammer you into your coffin so that you can't get up. It really had nothing to do with killing the heart or anything like that.
1: Quick side note on um, staking, just because that's something I kind of did some research into. And something that I found that I I thought was pretty cool was you know, ancient religions in Europe in particular were so taken with trees and the type of trees and different areas and tribes would have trees that were holy to them. And a lot of times the way that in, in vampire... Mythos, like the way that you would kill a vampire, had to be with a stake from like a specific tree. Mm-hmm. So in ancient Russia, it had to be the ash tree. And um, in Serbia, it had to be hawthorn wood. Um, in Silesia, which is an area that's now like made up of Poland and parts of Russia, um, it was oak. Um, a, lot of, a lot of places uh, preferred aspen. Because apparently that was – it's supposed to be the type of wood that the cross Jesus was hung on was made from. Hmm. And um, the Romani people, the the gypsies, I thought was really cool. And it's a tie back to something else. They didn't use wooden stakes. They used iron stakes.
0: Yes. So I saw a lot about that too. I think it's very interesting that just like the fae – Mm -hmm. or the djinn in the Arabian countries or I think even like trolls and draugr in like Scandinavian Norse countries – there's something about iron specifically out of all the metals that you can go anywhere in the world and whatever their boogeyman is, iron is something that they're averse to. And I don't know why that is, if they're just borrowing it from each other. Or, oh, yeah.
2: No, I've even heard that in demonology. Yeah, it
0: really surprised me. Not surprised me, but I thought it was interesting that it popped up in this, too. Like, there's something about iron. I don't know if there's a certain
1: feel to it. Well, but I like, think it's because iron sort of symbolizes... You know, after fire, it's sort of man's first real technology and mm. symbol of dominance over nature. You know, taking taking metal f- from the earth and, you know, forging it and twisting it and adding to it in a way that makes it stronger than it was when it came out of the ground.
0: I, I think you're probably right because yeah. I feel like it's got to go back to early, early man to be yeah. so pervasive in all of these cultures.
2: Now. You know, you talk about doctors not being able to diagnose, uh, basically misdiagnosing uh, vampires. But I mean, you know, that kind of crazy shit wouldn't happen now. Okay, so go to two thousand and three Romania. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. In two thousand and three, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's probably getting my first, we were, probably we get my, my first hand job around mm-hmm. then. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Nick was Ran getting his around first the time that
2: Everyone listening got their first hand job.
1: Um, I was really into hate breed.
0: <laughs> hate breed and hand jobs every every single day. So, a Petra Toma
2: died. And No, not a Petra. <laughs> oh, I really liked her or him. I'm it's a sure. him. It's a <laughs> him. But then in February of 2004, a, a niece Said that her late uncle Was coming and visiting her at night So You know you would imagine that if that Happened right now you'd say Well you're having a nightmare But this was the wackadoo time of 2003 and people didn't know any better <laughs> So What this family did instead Was Giorga Marinusko. The, bro- it. the brother-in-law, I did nail it, <laughs> uh, put together a vampire hunting group that proceeded to t- <laughs> to dig up Petra's coffin. They made an incision in his chest and tore his heart out. After that, because apparently that's not enough, nope. uh, the body was burned, the ashes were mixed, and the entire family drank the ash water mixture. Because um, uh, according to local lore, that was the only way to properly deal with a vampire. Now, again, this is just another ridiculous sentence in a string of ridiculous sentences to give you context. Uh, the Romanian government was freaking out about this because they were trying to get into the EU. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're like, guys, we look
2: like such assholes right now. Which implies, <laughs> like, they were very specific about that, that they were trying to be on good behavior right. because they were trying to get into the European <laughs> Union. Which makes me think that if this happened and they were not currently trying to get into the EU. They would have just looked the other way on this. Uh,
0: clearly. They're like, guys, any other year, fine. Have your vampire hunting parties.
2: <laughs> so basically they had to, they arrested the six family members that did this and made up the charge of disturbing the peace of the dead. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, that was 2003.
1: So that is the same shit that they did during the new imp... New England Vampire Panic. Like Nick briefly mentioned – you you briefly mentioned Mercy Brown. That was part of the New England Vampire Panic when tuberculosis was spreading and people were convinced that people were rising from the grave and attacking the relatives. So they they did that shit. They dug people up and they cut out their hearts and they burned them and they would drink the ashes. And I would like to think that 2003 New Millennium – internet having Romania is better than 19th century Rhode Island. (laughs) But I guess I'm wrong. Well, and I, I look at it this
0: way, too. It's I think it's easy for us to throw stones in both cases. And maybe we're a little more sympathetic for the longer back it goes. But people in different places are not on the same time frame. You know, we're not actually living in the same world all over the globe. It's impossible for us to advance at the same level. And Whereas Romania is a modern country, there are parts of it that absolutely are not. Just like there are parts of the U.S. that are super not of like Appalachia and places where you can run into people who have very antiquated beliefs.
1: And I think it's the South. You can just say the South.
2: Yeah, you can say the
0: South.
1: (laughs) Well, West Virginia. (laughs) Listen, I'm I'm only technically in the South. I'm like just the tip. <laughs> JT.t I'm not gonna but, lie though like again I I for everybody who doesn't know I live in Maryland but it's like Northern Maryland and like it's it's I can see the South creeping in
0: <laughs> you're, you're watching it every day it gets closer there's there's
1: houses with Confederate flags and just like NASCARs, like real popular <sighs> must be a blast.
0: you must have great music festivals around there
1: I would, I, don't, I don't go outside a lot.
0: Uh, I will say so. You know, we all kind of scoffed at that 2003 thing. So this will be a lot more easy to swallow. 2012, just uh, when Dave was giving his first hand job, he was a late bloomer. As far Barack as Barack uh, Obama
1: was in the White House, getting <laughs> and a hand I was job giving him Dave. a hand job.
0: <laughs> well, I always said if we had the first black president, I would jerk that guy off. Ah, oh, Dave, you gotta go do it. I was hungry
2: for change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, change feels
0: so good. <laughs> so it's 2012. Uh we're in Zoroz, uh Serbia, and it it's the town that has a population of between 600 and 700 people. So think of like this one of the smallest towns near wherever you grew up, and that's this place. Uh there was a vampire scare, and I thought it was kind of interesting because it wasn't based on like a recently deceased person. But it was pretty intense as far as how people reacted. So they had this legendary windmill that was right mm. on the river of that region that was like very important. But no yeah, one just, had touched it.
1: Just it. funny to be their their special windmill.
0: <laughs> Sorry, don't touch our special no windmill. No one look at it. It was special because for ages it had been fabled to be the home of a local vampire called Sava. Savanovic. I don't know if it's Savanovic or Savanovic, which I prefer because it sounds like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go with that one. Uh, so he was he was said to live inside the windmill to the point where even when it was a functioning windmill for for like crushing grain, people wouldn't use it because the fear was if you did, you'd be eaten by the vampires. So it literally just fell into disrepair. And to this day, the family who owned it said that they specifically didn't repair it because they were too like horrified to even go near it and it would draw a lot of tours so people would come in from all over the world and if you're I guess in Serbia for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> if you're there like staging a coup you're, or something. You didn't
2: go to your honeymoon in <laughs> Serbia.
0: <laughs> so with people there they would go on these tours, but it was strictly during the day. The townsfolk were like literally if you go near that place at night you are fucked. So
1: Hmm, Nobody's fixing it.
0: Nobody's fixing this thing. So it falls into disrepair and literally crumbles and falls over, which sends everyone in town into a panic cuz they're like, "Oh my god, Sava doesn't have anywhere to live now. He's going to come out and start eating people again." <laughs> so this and you would think that the town would be like everybody relax. <laughs> nope, that's not what they did.
2: It's kind of a kind of an awful uh View on homelessness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, if he doesn't, well, that's why the Europeans are so good about like public works because they know your, that
1: if you're homeless, you're gonna start go eating people.
0: <laughs> you lose your house, you just immediately start coming out and eating people. You just got raccoons in your backyard, and you're like, oh, is that fucking Sava again, looking for blood? Uh, so the town, the town officials did the only sensible thing they could did they could do, and they issued a public health warning. And and not only did they issue it but they issue it for a very specific time between Christmas and June seventh, because that's the feast of the ascension. And apparently that's when vampires are most active. So they said, look stay in your homes, don't go anywhere near the middle, walk in pairs, like, it's very dangerous to go out until the summer, basically, because Sava will get you. And people came in, and it was a special interest story that, you know, Western publications did stories about, but the people who were interviewed were very sensible about it, and they said, we know we look ridiculous, we know how the rest of the world sees this, but you don't live here, you don't know about this stuff, which, as much of a skeptic as I am, I love hearing that, because it just puts this thought in my head of, like, what if there's something to it like what yeah. if it we're these like you know educated westerners laughing and be like oh those silly you know serbians but like i just love to think in the back of my mind what if there's something real to this that they just can't let anyone know because there's only 700 people that live in damn, the
1: town It's fascinating I, yeah. I didn't know that story i, I really want to like look into that now once we're done here but like yeah damn, that's cool and you're right, that really gives it some credence that... The, yeah, and the like,
0: people took it very seriously. I mean, they went out and bought as much garlic as they could. They hung it around their homes, religious iconography. I mean, they basically armed themselves uh, in preparation of a vampire attack just, you know, six years ago.
2: Now, I could totally see how that could be really alluring because even if it's a serial killer... It's something. For some reason, these people are living in fear, which made me think of something that happened in 1970 in Bucharest. Mm. So basically, a series of attacks took place. Uh, it was always at midnight, and it was o- only during rainstorms. And it was usually waitresses or some uh, someone in that occupation coming home late by themselves. And these people were always found drained of a lot of blood and covered in teeth marks. Oh,
0: so, covered like all over their body?
2: Th- there was a lot of biting Ugh. going on. So in 1971, an Eon Ramuru was arrested and they were able to identify him because of his teeth marks all over these people. Now, People were freaking out at this time in Bucharest because they thought there was a vampire about, like people were being killed and drained in the middle of the night. This only got worse once the trial actually began, so I'm just going to quote directly here. During the trial, he was in a state of continual drowsiness. He was interrogated at night because he was not lucid at any other time. During daylight eras, Mamura was intractably lethargic Sentenced to death, Ramor became violently agitated. Several policemen were needed to restrain him. So, hmm. basically, he was showing all these vampire-like symptoms, where he like wasn't very functional during the day. Right. He could only be spoken to at night, and then apparently he caused like such a scene that it took a lot of cops to restrain him, showing like almost super strength. Huh. Now, I want you want to say like, oh well. He's fucking crazy. Right. However, very shortly after he was executed, his father died under very rapid, mysterious circumstances. They pulled his fingerprints and connected it to a whole slew of serial killings in 1944 that went unsolved. Oh, my God. This was a father-son serial killing dynasty who were killing people in the exact same way. Wow! So over the course of almost two generations... There were these vampiric like killings happening in this specific place,
0: right. so he learned this. So yeah. he wasn't necessarily just crazy, he's like, This is my life's work. Yeah, like, that I was, was raised to behavior. do this. Yeah, and know it's interesting. So the symptoms of like him being lethargic during the day, it he almost reminds me less of like a direct vampire, but more as like. Renfield from Dracula where yeah. he's like on the cusp of becoming a vampire which kind of makes sense that he was in a lot of ways an aspiring vampire because yeah. he's being trained like if his dad's Dracula he's Renfield just being like I'm just trying to make my father happy like oh, I yeah. don't you know and like the le- lethargy during the day I could almost see that actually becoming a physical symptom of your mental outlook yeah. on Like your nocturnal activities, like I could see you physically reacting by like feeling sick and and run down during the day. Oh yeah. That's that's crazy.
1: You know, I know I, I, I know a lot about a bunch of serial killers, but I gotta say, th- this guy he might be my favorite now. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> he's won us over. <laughs> he's on
2: all of the weedy boxes. <laughs> but vampirism has been a problem. All the way up until
0: 2017, and it's going to continue to be a and problem. And Obama
1: never addressed it once.
0: <laughs> it sounds so much like you're, you're running on this, like this is your stump speech. You're like, you can mark my words, vampirism will be a problem in 2020. The Democrats the
1: have done nothing about vampires or immigrants. <laughs>
2: I should say the belief in vampires (laughs) would maybe make me sound less insane. (laughs) But there is an African country by the name of Malawi. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Sure. I don't know.
0: I mean, I've been, there, I've been there many times, obviously. Thank I'm, you for answering, sort of, honestly. I answer? know. I'm a global citizen, and uh, obviously I've summered there many a time. So, so
2: there was a mess. <laughs> so here's why you might want to stop summering there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew we could make it funny.
2: So in 2002 into 2003, there was a vampire scare there. And basically mobs took to the street looking for vampires. And one person was actually stoned to death. Mm. Uh, And then in addition to that, four people were beaten basically within an inch of their life. And one of those people was the governor, a man named Eric Chawaya. It was the belief that he was running the government and consorting with vampires. So they were taking this shit very, very seriously. The world freaked out about this a bit, and we essentially asked them to stop. However, in 2017, there was another incident where there was yet another vampire scare. Uh, The mob took to the street again and executed six people that they believed to be vampires. So it's very easy for us to sit... uh, in america yeah. in 2018 and be like can you believe these wacky motherfuckers believing in vampire this is still a very real thing yeah. to some people
0: and it it just shows all of the same symptoms of the multiple witch hunts throughout history that we talked about in that episode sometimes when the the reality is just too complex like the reality is a lot of african nations are in constant political turmoil and there are warlords and there's genocide and all of these things that are too big of an issue to fix so like perfect example you said a mayor was accused of governor a governor (laughs) was was accused of consorting with vampires sometimes it's just easier for even adults to wrap their head around like well if we just get the vampire mayor out of here Everything will be fine. And I can't scoff at that too much because when you think about like the systemic issues and how big they are even in this country that do not take just voting this person in or out to fix, you can see how more like third world countries can just be like, oh, if we just got rid of this vampire guy
1: and yeah, we would stop know, starving replace, to death and running out the of the water. You the word vampire yeah. with Muslim and yeah. that kind of... That, that's that's a lot of like what's happening in America right now.
0: Yeah, Muslim or Mexican. I mean, it's yeah. just easier sometimes for somebody to be like, if we can just get rid of dot dot dot. And sometimes it sounds silly to us because it's mm-hmm. vampires. But the logic behind it is exactly the same.
2: Sorry, I just love that you keep calling him the vampire mayor. <laughs> the vampire governor. One, one he was a governor. But <laughs> and two, he cons- sorry, he consorted two. With- He that means he got voted in on the platform that he was a vampire. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, he didn't seem like a beltway insider. I've always
0: been very pro vampire.
2: And then they decided he was doing a bad job.
0: I love it here in Malawi or Malawi. Dave doesn't know.
1: God, Africa would be the worst place for a vampire to go.
2: Or because because of the sun?
0: Yeah, because of the sun.
1: I mean, there's still night there. There's still an equal amount of night. I mean, we have sun everywhere for the most part. But, like, if you're a vampire, you're not going to go, I don't know, maybe because it's, like, hot. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, vampires don't like to be sweaty, but nobody does.
1: (laughs) Vampires get very, very sweaty very easily.
0: (laughs) Some other things that vampires do, according to different places around the world. So here's some vampire detection methods that I think rolls off of sweaty vampires that we landed on somehow. (laughs) So in Romania, one way that you can tell a vampire is if they have extra nipples. Word. So here in the United States, we would have already staked and burned the heart of Marky Mark, who famously (laughs) has a third nipple that he's hiding. Look it up. Uh, another fun one in Russia: If you were born with a cleft lip, which is just such a dickheadish oh, that's thing. That's such a bummer. Because like, yeah. what an awful like birth defect to already have to like go through your childhood uh, with, and then Walking for be... Phoenix would be so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be one, and then uh, probably one of my favorites. And this was more of like a detection system than like an easy to spot thing. In Romania, there's another tradition of if you want to find out where if you're not sure who the local vampire in your graveyard is there's a good way to find out you get a seven-year-old boy i don't know <laughs> seven probably because all right done god whatever don't the question it. seven-year-old boy dressed all in white riding on a white horse this keeps getting sexier. here <laughs> it's very yeah it's very you know just lights and candles so <laughs> The, you just kind of let the horse... I don't think the boy has to do anything, because from what I read, you just let the ho- horse like wander the graveyard. Wherever the horse just stops and stays for a while, whatever grave is there, that's your vampire. So that would be one way to be like, all right, well, dig up you know, so, Peter Blagojevich and uh, let's stake his heart, because that's where the white horse and his and and junior stopped.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so basically, whenever the horse decides to graze... <laughs>
0: Graze or take a dump like. <laughs> so it's like someone A horse is shitting on your grave With probably a shitty little kid on its back Because it's a little kid And then they're going to dig you up And defile your corpse Because the horse had to take a dump Or got hungry
1: That's a bad uh, rap
2: So we're nearing the end But I want to talk about An interesting uh, article I found By a Dr. Gomez Alonso and I'm basically just going to, like, her words will, will do it more justice than me trying to, like, do a dumb radio lab. Um, so I'm just going Welcome to. Welcome back
0: to r- another episode of Dumb Radio Lab.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just trying to regurgitate information I read once. Um, so I'm just going to go through it. And basically, she has a theory that all of the vampire myth was actually due to rabies. Which I know, like, there's some historical precedent that it was tuberculosis, but she makes a pretty strong fucking argument, pretty strong fucking argument that <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that uh, it was actually rabies. So, just to go through like the 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 hot topics, uh, Dracula's famous weakness to garlic and light could be ascribed to hypersensitivity, one of the symptoms of rabies. Mm. Uh, The vampire's ferocious sexual appetite and nocturnal habits could be attributed to the effects of rabies Mm -hmm. on the part of the brain that helps regulate sleep cycles and sexual Mm -hmm. behavior. So apparently one of the things that begins to go in your brain is uh, controls when you sleep
0: and how horny you are. So you're telling me if I wanted to convince my wife to just stay up all hours of the night and bang it out, I would just have to give her rabies. Yeah, or it means you have rabies. Cool, cool, cool. Um,
2: Check. All right, here's where it starts getting really cool. Uh, In the past, a man was not considered rabid if he could look at his own reflection in the mirror. Who knows why? Hmm. But she thinks that that's where the whole myth about vampires having no reflection came in. Because apparently, and again, somewhat older bunk science, it was like, well, if you're rabid, you're not able to actually look in the mirror. Um... The association of vampires with animals such as wolves and bats could be explained by the fact that those creatures are more susceptible to the disease of rabies.
0: Right. Um, do, 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 do. Right, and in and in a lot of myths, it's specifically not a person that bites you, but a bat. Yeah. So that that's an interesting take. Yeah.
2: And now jumping back to hypersexuality. Uh, yes. <laughs> So, apparently, people with rabies in the late phases were having sex up to 30 times a day. Oh, Uh, nice. Nice. (laughs) So jealous. (laughs) Um, And from uh, this study in neurology, uh, she added, men with rabies react to stimuli such as water, light, odors, and mirrors with spasms of the facial and vocal muscles that can cause hoarse sounds barred teeth and frothing at the mouth of bloody fluid. So she basically made an argument with this article that, you know, rabies is a disease that has been around forever and it's incurable even today. And it's a horrid disease that the entire myth of vampires stem from rabies, which I know a lot of people also attribute the creation of the zombie with rabies. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that it could be for both.
0: That is really interesting, and and I still think that jives well with other cases because even though specifically in America, the first outbreak of, like, a vampire scare was tied to tuberculosis. uh, A bunch of locusts. (laughs) Tuberculosis. I think that was... It made sense in that context and those people would have already been well, you know, the vampire myth would be well established. I think the notion that the earliest examples would be rabies makes total sense to me, especially because it's a disease that – because it's a disease and it's been around for such a long time, you you can make the argument that the earliest possible notion of vampire still could have been tied specifically to rabies, especially when people were – way more often exposed to the wilderness and wolves and bats like yeah yeah it, it would probably happen bats. all the time yeah, yeah. The,
2: the bats really struck an interesting chord with me
0: like yeah another interesting piece of the wolf thing that i found that that i think goes hand in hand with this is it's something that's been lost in vampires for us today but another thing that made perfect sense to me was often when people would go to like the gravesite of a suspected vampire they would find wolf and dog tracks all around the body and they would say, oh, they rose from the dead, transformed and ran off. But it also makes a lot of sense if you have rotting people in the ground that a hungry animal is gonna hang out around there. So in the days after you bury someone, especially in a wooden box that isn't sealed very well, there would be animals there. So it's just another perfect example of like rabies, natural animal instincts. There's all these things that are just like, yeah, we get why it started but it's just picked up too much steam over millennia to go away. Like you could, you could give every single person on earth a million good reasons why vampires are based on all these other things. And we're still going to have vampire myths. We're still going to have places like Malawi where vampire (laughs) mares are are getting got. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, uh, yeah. I think I think we can wrap it up. One thing that I wanted to throw out there. So first of all, I know we all have more stuff on this, so we will revisit this topic because there's way more cool stuff and specific oh, stories yeah. that we can get into. But one thing that I want to say just as a disclaimer, if we made vampirism seem pretty dope, let me just let you know what would happen if you actually lived on a diet of drinking blood. Ooh. <laughs> blood. Informative. Blood is... Super rich in iron, healthy blood at least. So it's actually kind of funny that people clearly didn't know that back in the day because vampires (laughs) were eating exclusively blood but couldn't stand iron. But because of that, you can actually have iron toxicity, which is a hemochromatosis, and it is really nasty. So if you have too much iron, and this can happen naturally but would be expedited a lot if you drank blood. Uh, it can lead to complete nervous system failure, liver failure, which, of course, can lead to all kinds of different things, including death. So I think the interesting thing about it is even though we have culturally like groups around the world that are like have vampire covens, you know, they can never actually drink blood, which must be so frustrating if you're like yeah, a you goth know, leading a were, vampire coven.
1: <laughs> there were in, in the 80s and 90s, there were a whole bunch of goth nerds who were like, Really into like Sisters of Mercy who decided to be vampires and drink each other's blood and they all got AIDS and hepatitis.
0: Right. Like there's there's a lot of awful things. And I just I almost feel for them it because it's like, oh, even if they just like got blood that wasn't human and they're like, oh we just drink like lamb's blood. They'd still get sick and die. So it's like there's never been a history historical case where human beings drink blood and it doesn't have an averse effect on we, their We did system. a whole
1: episode on people eating people and I feel like the takeaway from that was don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just in any form. Bones, blood, yeah. just don't eat other people. Yeah. <laughs> We're very pro not eating people on this podcast. We're also pro Vampire mayor though. He got
1: he yeah, got a bad is, rap. That's, that's not his platform though. He is He is pro eating people. Anti garlic,
2: <laughs> pro gun control.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why we vote for it. Does, you you know. Take the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I like well, that. Get rid of the bump stocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying we get rid of all guns. (laughs) Just the guns that can... Oh, that sounds almost like vampire Bernie Sanders. Yeah, it does. You're really edging on Bernie Sanders.
1: Well, we must make these colleges cheaper for the kids.
2: (laughs) Okay, you you just went too Offensively Jewish.
1: <laughs> uh, see, I heard that as it was coming out, but I honestly wasn't trying to. I was trying to do African vampire men. Yeah, there's no, yeah,
2: you did, a Very thin line, we're, line we're, listen, between.
1: We're we we're, we're offending a lot of people this episode. We've been we've been some nasty nasty men this episode. So <laughs> bad, some...
0: bad boys we are.
1: Welcome, Welcome back, back to the nasty men. <laughs> some nasty silly men. So,
0: this was this was a blast. I like that we got to talk about something that's very. F- foundational again i know we've talked about you know general stuff and that's always fun we will go deeper into specifics but i love when we can knock a big check mark off of our list and say yep we finally dove into vampires like we did for werewolves and some of the other archetypal creatures out there in the world so uh yeah thank you guys this is a blast yeah this was a
2: good one you know just playing devil's advocate i think it went shitty
0: <laughs> well that's alright You'll 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 do your magic in the editing And fix it and <laughs> We'll all sound way We'll sound taller somehow And just
1: sexier in general Alright feel, feel free to email us On the reasons that you were voting for The vampire mayor of Milwaukee <laughs> Of Milwaukee,
0: <laughs> of Milwaukee. <laughs>
1: of Vampire mayor <wear> of Michigan
0: <laughs> uh. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.
1: Bye, everyone.